participation is required. Thanks for tuning in. You are now listening to The Sports Card Therapist, a sports card podcast. You are on the mic with Rob. Don't forget to hit him up on social media with questions and comments. It's goats over prospecting all day. Thanks for tuning in to The Sports Card Therapist. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning into the Sports Card Therapist, where I give you a behind-the-scenes look at my hobby hustle and sprinkling some self-care and wellness on top of that. I'm Rob Gerard, your Sports Card Therapist, and whether if you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, welcome to the podcast. And we are rounding out this month of roundtable sessions. Uh, today, this being the 10th roundtable the 10th roundtable. I can't believe I'm even saying that out loud. Uh, This is episode 181 for anyone that is keeping count. And we're rounding out the month. uh, This is actually dropping on Memorial Day. So I hope everyone's having an excellent Memorial Day. Uh, Hope everyone had a good holiday weekend and everyone stayed safe and all that good stuff. I have been looking forward to this episode, this roundtable, and particularly not just because of the title and the subject matter, but mostly because of the guests. Today, we're going to be talking about high-end cards, acquiring high-end cards, and maybe some of the stories attached to acquiring those high-end cards. I have with me Travis, who on Instagram is at Jackies and Jordans, and I have Ben, who on Instagram is at BenJordan88. Ben, Travis, how you guys doing? Doing great. Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely, man. Travis, did I recently see you've been making your rounds on the podcast, uh, on the podcast, uh, Circuit Avenue? Uh, yeah, I was just on the Basketball Card Nerd podcast. Uh, I think that dropped today, so that was that was fun. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So nerds stick together, I guess. That's huh? right. <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I love it, man. I love it. All the math um, geeks. Yeah, man. So, so. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, really, just you know, talking about high end cards and 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 like. Do you guys have a specific definition? And we'll talk about, about like maybe what the hobby considers high end, but do you guys have like even an unofficial or an official definition for what kind of falls under that category of high end? Is it a certain kind of card? Is it a price point? Uh, what do you guys think? I I struggled with that when you were first brought this up and were saying, you know, you're going to have me on for the high end. I was thinking, I. I don't know if I could count myself as a high-end collector. I'm like, I don't really buy much in like premier auctions. I don't, you know, buy six, seven figure cards. But I think, you know, I kind of reminds me to go back to like my poker days. There's like, you know, mid stakes, low stakes, high stakes, and there's like nosebleed, right? Like I think, you know, high-end, I kind of differentiated from like those nosebleed stake cards, you know, million dollar cards and stuff. So I think, you know, I think you'd mentioned card ladder pegs it as 5K plus. I, I think that's a pretty... I think that's a pretty fair range. Um, yeah. But I also think there's like, you know, that's, there's, there's valuation point, but there's also scarcity, right. And, and I appeal. So, you know, that like sometimes maybe a $4,000 card, that's like really tough to find dead centered. I would rather have that over a $10,000 copy. That's, you know, doesn't have I appeal. So there's a few ways to look at it. Yeah. I would say that like, like high ends, like pretty subjective, like, High end for me would probably be like five thousand, but like for like somebody who collects like like 
like not as like big cards like i would say like maybe like if they were going after like a pete rose rookie like that may be like a high-end card for them and they were getting like a decent example and they had like a thousand dollars to spend that may be high-end for them like i'm always trying to buy like the best card that you can afford the best the best example you can afford so like i really wouldn't put like a certain like price tag on it but uh like it's just i say it like varies from person to person yeah and and good points that you guys both bring up and i i think that this the whole you know dividing it up into categories i mean i think it's helpful for a few reasons but i know if i was looking back maybe five to ten years right even five years ago to me once you crossed a thousand dollars to me that was that felt like it was a high-end card right it felt like a high-end card um but i do like how card ladder breaks it down because um you know when trying to determine uh what state the market is in um you know it's good to kind of be able to put some labels on things right so they say that anything that's 500 dollars or less is considered a low end and then anything from 500 to 5k is mid-end and then anything 5k or more is high-end and i've come to know quite a bit and i'm sure you guys have too of people that they really only deal in five-figure cards, right? Five-figure to six-figure cards, right? There's there's a handful of people who I know personally who I've got to know just from like doing the card show scene and and, and all that, and and they are just continuously kind of flipping like fifty-two tops mantles, you know, like like you know, PSA one, two, and three, you know, somewhere between like that forty k to hundred k range, and I just kind of look at them and I'm like, oh my god, that is insane, like. And, and it's nothing because I think sometimes when it comes to high end, and this is kind of the scary part, I think, but when it comes to high end, when you're like shuffling cards around, sometimes it could feel like you're playing with Monopoly money. Sometimes it doesn't even feel real. You know, I've been at a show before and um, I had these guys come in and I talked about this either in season one or season two. They came in and they're like, listen, we really like your six, six of those cards right there. Um we'll offer you 80% and we'll pay you cash right now. So I ended up leaving that show at 35 K and in a way, like the cash just didn't feel real. I was immediately looking to make a big purchase. I was Im immediately looking to like put it right back in the cards and, and do something to where I could really like kind of level up, you know? And it's like, when I sit back and think about it, 35k is about a year's worth of mortgages and i think about like how how much of a relief it would be if i knew my house was paid off for the next year you know but it's like those kind of thoughts don't even come into my mind because i just you know i'm just loving cards so much yeah yeah i'm the same i compartmentalize my hobby funds and you know and life retirement funds all that kind of stuff so it's like for me, like I pretty much like sell cards to buy cards. And so whatever money I get off selling cards is what I use to fund fund cards. No, no cashing out that 401k and getting half of that. So, yeah. And and so I, I guess that's a that's a good point, Ben, as far as, um, you know, 
it's a good kind of segue into the next topic. So when it comes to moving cards, when it comes to, you know, you see something you want and it might be, you know, whatever the card is, right? Um, but you see something you want and you're like, okay, I know I have that in cards. So really I got to start making some moves now. So do you guys have a, do you guys have a system that you do for just kind of liquidating and moving cards to free up cash real quick for something? Or is it kind of different um, on every occasion? Yeah. I So I had, uh, I had to do this on a recent pickup. There it was, a, there's, I've always wanted a, a 48 leaf satchel page. I don't know if you can see it. It's showing up. But I, I've I've been wanting a, a forty. Oh yeah, if you put if you put it in front of you. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. If you put it directly in front of you. But I've been chasing this card for a while. Um, it's really tough to find. Wow. A short printed, forty eight leaf satchel page rookie, and I you know one of them. But I wasn't really prepared for it to show. You know, like I didn't have money set aside for it. But you know when it when they come up, they come up right. And and this one's authentic altered right, which. I'm fine with buying, you know, I, I actually kind of target those cards sometimes because you can get them at such a great deal, you know, but particularly for cards that are really tough to get into, just tough to find. So when it popped up, I was like, well, I'm never, I'm probably never going to find, you know, on the card this nice for this cheap. Same again. thing with me right there. Boom. The mic in perfect yeah. eye appeal, authentic yeah. altered. Yeah. And you know, so it was like, it's now or never, right? I'm either, I get this card now, the authentic altered, or I, I probably don't ever get this card. And so it was like, you know, I, maybe I didn't have the money, you know, sitting, you know, on my dresser <laughs> waiting to buy that card. But, you know, but I'm like, well, I got to I got to buy it. So I buy it, you know, and then I have to tell the wife, I'm sorry, I just sold your car, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I'm joking. <laughs> but, so then it's like, then I'm digging through my box, right? It's like, okay, well, what do I, now what do I go to sell, right? So I, I sold one of my. I, I had three of the 52 tops Jackie Robinsons, like three really nice copies all centered. And I took the one that was least well centered. I was like, all right, I'm going to say goodbye to this beautiful card. <laughs> but it's, you know, that's kind of what you have to do. And so, you know, so I moved that, I moved a 52 tops Jackie and, you know, reallocated the funds toward, a, you know, the 48 leaf satchel page. And, and now I, I have, I'm a happier collector. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, so I'm looking right now on the PSA pop report. Okay. And in total, all grades, there's only 153 satchel pages Yeah, in all grades. Yeah. It's a tough card to find. Yeah. There's wow. I did not realize it was that low pop. Yeah. So the 48 leaf set is it's like skip numbered. Like, only half the numbers exist and i think i, I forget how many I, it might be half the set is short printed I, a lot of the set is short printed though there, there's uh yeah there's i might be wrong but let's just say it's half but you know and there and those are all only have you know 100 to 200 known examples so really yeah. tough set to build so so i'm, I'm curious ben what is it or who is it that you primarily PC? Like when you're when you're looking um, when you're shopping for cards, when who's your primary PC? Like 
pretty much only collect like Ty Cobb uh, cards. Uh, like a few years ago, like I uh, completed the 1910 PC-796 uh, Sepia postcard set. Wow. It took me like 18 months to complete that set. Uh, the set like really consisted of like half Hall of Famers and half like commons at the time. Uh, but uh, how many cards are in that set? In the nineteen ten PC seven nine six set, there's twenty five cards. But like those are beautiful images but, too. But the but the pops on those cards were probably like approximately like less than like fifteen or less. So in some of them they were like seven or less. Like Eddie Plank there's only like I think like seven or less, and Tris Speaker there was like maybe like seven or less. And uh, like there was like some cards I wanted more, so like I sold the set. Like, and then I uh, purchased some uh, some uh, higher end uh, cobs, uh, but uh, but uh, the uh, uh, so I was saying, sorry to jump in, but I was saying before that, uh, before we started recording, that whenever I think of a Thai cob collector, that I always think of like some guy with like a mustache with a curls at the end like smoking a pipe and like suspenders you just like just like a sophisticated kind of or even like drinking like a glass of whiskey like you know just kind of enjoying life like almost like the most interesting man in the world type type vibe is that is that you ben <laughs> because that's what i think of when i think of like a, if someone's like yeah I, yeah i personally collect high cob i'm like wow but uh like uh you notice how he dodged that question travis i get, I, I just want to see him twirl the mustache <laughs> <laughs> uh but like to get these cards that i have like the uh guy i got most of them from uh like he gave me like a few months to like sell cards and because like the money i had to pour these cards was like tied up in the cards i had previously so it's not like uh could uh, not sell the cards and that I had previously to purchase these. So when you're when you're looking to sell whatever it is that you have, when you're looking to sell your cards, do you have a plan in place for how you're going to move those cards? Because I think that people are interested. They like I think a lot of people, if 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 they're not flippers or they're not dealers, I think a lot of people are at least interested in the possibility of buying a high-end card if they have it already you know buying a card of 5k or more because usually when you're buying a card that's like 5k or more you kind of start entering that that category of like being in the top five percent of a player's cards right now ty cobb most of his stuff is over 5k and yeah. most of his stuff is probably the ty cobb stuff is like the one percent of anyone's kind of you know, their inventory or, you know, their, their card catalog. But when you start talking about cards, 5k or more, you're usually moving up to like, they're, they're really good cards. You're not buying junk wax. So how is it that you go about moving your cards, Ben? Well, like first off, I'll try to find a card that I was actually trying to pursue. And then so say, say you found the cob, you got the cob already. And this guy's like, listen, you got a month, come up with the money. I'm holding it for you. I would like, list cards on like net 54 that's where uh uh 
list most of my cards and like uh, uh i may list them on like facebook but like it's really well it's like sometimes it's like hard to like sell on like the card uh uh the card forums it's like kind of much easier to like just send it to like our rea or like heritage and let them like do all the work and just whatever the card sells for it sells for you don't have to so you've done that with your stuff before you've just sent it to the higher end um vintage like auction sites yeah when i sold the uh pc 796 cobb wagner uh like last year that sold in heritage and uh and then i sent some to rea some of them did well some of them flopped but like you did you didn't have to worry about sending front and back pictures to everybody every day just yeah. like the auction house did all the work and like whatever the card sold for is what it sold and, for. and i think that is a big part of the reason why you're starting to see more and more consigners um it feels like kind of bubble up and and maybe not more and more but i think you're starting to see newer consigners kind of coming up through the ranks you know i think like uh joku sports cards you know um they have the uh you know you know who what account that is yeah he's a consigner you know just on ebay but he consigns you know some of the bigger cards and he gets you know good results you know or you know mc sports cards or you know obviously there's probstein but there's there's certain consigners i think like you you got to kind of start to know or at least have a feel for if you are looking to move cards it's good to have an idea of where to send them and which consigner to send them to right like if i have a if i have a 33 gaudi babe ruth i don't know if it would be the smartest thing for me to send it to probstein on ebay right right it's like oh you know if I would have just sent it to Heritage or if I would have just sent it to PWCC, I would have got 12K for it. And Probstein got me 6,800. You're like, you know, so it's one of those things where it's good to kind of know where where to send it and, and kind of who not to send it. So, Travis, I guess same thing for you. Like when you're looking to move your cards because you're looking to acquire something bigger and better, uh, what's your process like? Yeah, my process, you know, it depends on if it's, you know, if it's a card that people are really going to fight over, right? So if it's a card that's well-centered, you know, maybe if it's a 33 Gaudi Ruth that's really well-centered in a four or something like that, you know, people are going to fight over that card. That's right? a big card. A well-centered yeah. four, that's still what, easily maybe 25 to 30K card, right? Yeah. And if you have something like that, and you know, you're usually better off sending it to one of the big auction houses because because just the structure of those auctions right they get into the overtime and like and people you know they'll they'll go one bid higher than they thought they would have right and the other guy's like oh i'll go one bid higher than i thought i would have you know it's like and you will get absolute max you know it'll now granted you got to pay you know a big rake for that but you know there's you know, but people will fight over that card and it'll it'll sell for more than if you just threw it on probe steam right but you know some of the lower stuff you know if you have a you know if you have a two thousand dollar card or a fifteen hundred dollar card that's you know maybe it's like a 56 tops mantle or something right and you know if you throw that at at heritage or rea you might not do very well you know it might be up against five other copies of that same card right in the same auction mm -hmm. and you know you 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 know it won't do as well Whereas if you send it to Probstein, it's like the market kind of has a floor, you know, or if it's a card that's, you know, fairly well off centered, 
those, you know, and people won't really fight over it. There's just going to be, there's just an established market. It's always going to sell for the same amount everywhere. Then you're usually better off going through like a Probstein or somebody that has lower, you know, lower fees. You know, Probstein is only like 5%. And you will see that with, with a lot of uh, vintage stuff, right? And especially you think about really stuff from, I mean, you could even go back to T206, but I'll stick with like, you know, 30, you know, from like 33 to like, to the 60s i mean there's there's no shortage of these cards right there's so many of them that were printed it's like if you want a mickey mantle name the year you can go on ebay right now and buy one yeah. you know so so like you said there's really an there's an established market for it and and you could almost with 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 certainty say what a card's going to go for because there's so many comps to back that up like if you're putting out a 66 mantle psa 5 Chances are three already sold today somewhere on eBay, right? So you have I've an idea had, of what they're going to go for. Yeah, and I've even had good success selling high-end cards on eBay. Like I've sold some $15,000 cards on eBay. A lot of people don't realize if you have an eBay store, the fees cap out at only 300 bucks. You know, and, and plus your plus you have you know payment processing fees of an extra two percent or something. But you know, it's you know, three, four, maybe five hundred bucks to sell a card like that. So Whereas, that fifteen, the fifteen K card that you're talking about, though, yeah. did you did you was it your own eBay store or did you send it to a consigner? Yeah, no, my own. So, so would you have it up for best offer? Yeah, yeah, I'll just have it up for best offer. So you have to wait, you know, until you find a buyer. But like, if you have a, you know, if you have a high end card and you're reasonable on your pricing, and you'll find a buyer, and you know, and you can you can often get, you know, you'll net more often, you know, doing just posting it on eBay, waiting for the right buyer to come along. You know, if you only pay four or five hundred bucks in fees, whereas you know, if I had sent that card to PWCC, you know, I'm paying two thousand dollars in fees, right? Or you know, if I had sent it to Heritage, I might be paying three thousand in fees. Whereas you know, on eBay, it was like you know maybe four hundred bucks. So you know, if you're patient, you know, and if you're sending to Heritage or something like that or Golden, like you're going to better be patient anyways because they got you know several months lead time. And then the auction goes for a month and then it takes them another month or two to pay you. You're like, wow. I mean, I, I sub, I submitted car. I submitted a lot of cards to heritage last year. It took like seven months for me to get paid. And I was pretty, I was pretty disappointed in the results. Oh, I'd be pissed. I'd be. And, and the thing is too, it's like, maybe you could realize like, okay, this is going to be a few months kind of thing. But then when you see like, Oh, it's not in this month's auction, maybe it'll be in next month's. And then you're, and then you're just realizing like, you know what time is money too. And there's something to be said for having money in hand. So sometimes it just might be worth it maybe to sell it for a little bit less than a private sale rather than, you know, putting it up in a, you know, big auction, like you're saying to have a card or to have money tied up for seven months. I mean, some people might have that kind of collection as to where like 10k tied up for seven months like in an auction somewhere like isn't that big of a deal because they have so many other big cards but for someone you know for someone like me that has a collection that's like you know 500k or less kind of thing you know it's like some of these big cards sometimes that's that's all the money you have to play with you know mm -hmm. so i wouldn't want that tied up for seven months yeah and it's fun a lot of times too if you can you know do a direct sale with somebody you can get to know the person right there's a lot of like like there's a lot of added value just from a joy perspective of knowing who knowing who passed it along you know, who you passed it along to and you know like I'm sure when Ben sells a cob right it's like that next person cherishes that card they're a cob collector right and like 
you could trade stories with them and you know there's a fun aspect there too yeah i could imagine if ben sold the cob and he saw it up in a facebook group six hours later he'd be like are you effing kidding me right, right. this guy's flipping flipping my card for seven hundred dollars exactly yeah. exactly so um so yeah so travis and i know you know you are uh talk about because i know you know we're talking more about vintage here and i'm going to bring up some modern pretty soon too because i, I would probably say 25 percent of my collection is modern um yeah. and travis you collect some modern too right yeah yeah definitely i didn't so, prepare any for you i don't think <laughs> no that's all good man um so talk to me about um your because you you've had a couple takes you've had a you've said a couple things first of all i love your every time i feel like you have some sort of take on something i feel like it's going to be a strong take and there's a really good chance that like a lot of people are going to disagree yeah right oh like it just like it's i don't want to say like controversial or anything but it's always like wow you know but you come with like receipts you come with way like reasons why you're like backing why it is you're saying it so you had said somewhere and i don't know if it was in the chat on the jeremy lee jason Koontz interview or if it was in our vintage group chat but you had said that you would prefer we're talking vintage here you would prefer a trimmed centered card over a card that was off center well, so I think there was a point of clarification on that. I, I said a, a trimmed centered card that measures correctly, and I didn't hear that part. I, I don't remember yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I don't it remember you saying that. And and the edges of which are indistinguishable, right? So it doesn't look like a trimmed card. Is the point? Well, to me, yeah, that's the I mean, differentiator. So what what, a, what like about what about if it um, did not meet the minimum required size? No, I don't want it. So no? if it's, yeah, if it's trimmed and it's short, I don't want it. Yeah, I mean, unless it's you know, if it's something like you know the satchel page or something, you know, I don't care what it you know, it could have a bullet hole through. So it. so yeah, that's a, <laughs> it can have blood splatter on it. I'll take so it. <laughs> so so yeah, let's let's make that point then. Let's talk yeah. about it being a grill card. Let's talk about it being a fifty-two tops mantle. Let's talk about it being a forty-eight satchel page. Would you prefer? a trimmed authentic altered over a PSA two miscut. Yeah. Yeah. In fact I did. I mean, that's, that's why I have this one, right? So my wow. and he's now, holding up a 52 tops mantle right now. It's SGC authentic, but it's, yeah, it's the same thing, right? Authentic, authentic, right? It's like my big cards. That's, that's what. Oh, you muted yourself. Sorry. My my big cards. That's what he I got see. all excited and hit the mute button. He started flailing his arms and he hit it. the mute button by accident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know, I I'm about eye appeal, right? It's like my mantle. You know, it looks like a six, and I'd rather have it with nice centering and color. It's like I'd rather have this than a you know than an off centered three with a wrinkle through it, even if it's you know altered. It's like, how long have you had that card for? Um maybe two or three years two or three years now maybe something like that did you have yeah. the cash freed up for that card or did you have to make some moves i i had the cash uh available at the time yeah um 
yeah, I had some poker funds that I wanted to invest. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a beautiful card, by the way. It's a yeah. beautiful card. It's a huge card. It's 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 the hobby grill card, right? Like I think I think for the I don't want to just make a blanket statement because I think even super high end collectors like so I think in the in the low to mid end um area of the hobby like the Jordan rookie is such a grail card right and 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 I know in the high end market too it's like people are looking for PSA 10s or looking for BGS 9.5s I get that but in the high end I think in the high end market that mantle is the grail card and what do you have there what do you you're just talking about the jordan rookie so i oh and he's got the star rookie he's got the star the 84 star i love it i love it um the closest thing i have right now to an 84 star is i have a um, bgs 9 uh graded 84 chicago bulls pocket schedule that's awesome I know. It's I have a great. bunch of those. The, the uh, Seattle Mariners gr Griffey pocket schedules when those came out. Nice. I, I grew up in Seattle. I used to go watch Griffey play. I nice. saved a bunch of those schedules. So, so yeah, I think that um, that mantle, right, is just it, it, because I think it says something about yourself. You know, I think it says something if, if you could work your way up to getting a 52 mantle like that. I remember how it felt when I acquired my first Jordan rookie. Like there was part of it. It was like, I've arrived, which doesn't make sense, but it does make sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, all right. We talked about bringing some cards to share. Ben, did you bring anything with you? Yeah, I brought a few cards. And if you can describe, if you could like talk through it too, because we have a, a, a big podcast listener base that will not watch the video, but will only hear it. So if you could, if you could also, uh, I don't want to see you. If, if you. <laughs> so right here is the uh, oh. 12 La Zora Cigars Ty Cobb uh, SGC one. Like all of these, uh, were uh oh all connected to like it had like the home schedule and the away schedule and i think there's like four versions there's a fielding and then there's a, a, a looks like he's like stealing a base there's one where he's like running there's one where he's uh like sliding home and there's one like where he's like reclining on the where he's like reclining on a uh on the field like smiling real big but on the back's gonna have like the home schedule but the but the and you said this was from a cigar company yeah the la azora cigars do you do you know how um one would acquire that back in 1912 i think they advertised that uh, for the tigers so did they come in cigar boxes uh i'm not sure well i i, I really don't know but uh like the pop on this one is like seven there's a six by sgc and uh one by psa it's kind of hard wow. to see players but now talk to the listeners a little bit because there's a lot of people that might not understand why someone would spend so much money on a postcard like 
Like the thing is, and or or a card that you know, a cigar card or you know, a cigarette card like a T two hundred six or whatever. Um, but uh, those are a little bit; those are more widely recognized as cards, though, right? Like T two hundred six and stuff. Right. But but like a card that's an oversized card. Talk to us a little bit about that. Like, what goes through your mind when you're when you're like, okay, I'm in a hobby that collects mostly pack pulled pieces of cardboard. However, I'm paying big money here for something that is not a pack pulled and it's not normal size. If anything, it's bigger size is better in my opinion, right? But um, so talk to us a little bit about just the the appeal of the postcard images and whatnot. Uh, like for me, like postcards are like bigger images. So you get like a, a bigger picture of Cobb. Here's like the Max Stein. Ty Cobb wow. 1.5, like one sold in the Heritage like last week and a 5.5, I mean a 5. Uh, but like, yeah, they were, most of them just have like postcard backs, but like some of the rare ones in the uh, uh, Max Stein, they have like ad, ad backs. There's one on eBay right now and a PSA 3 that I really, 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 really want, but I don't you know. said really, 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 really want. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Like, uh, kind of happy with the one I have. But yeah. uh, I just I just like the bigger images of the cards. And, like, anything, like, with, like, Ty Cobb in action is, like, my, a really good investment. Like, compared to, like, a T206. Like, other way. Like. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, you hold them up like that. It's like if, if you knew nothing about, you know, cards or value or anything and you said, which one would you prefer? I mean, I think even Stevie Wonder would want the postcard. And then, like, there's, like, images that are much bigger, like the, the Felix Mendelssohn. Like, these are way bigger than the postcard. But, like, I just – I just uh, – I don't know. I guess it's kind of like personal preference. Like some people like like the T206s and I own like copies of every version of those. But uh, like when I started collecting like the postcards, like uh, I kind of like favored them more. But like recently I'd picked up a like a well, I went back and got a like a regular size like baseball card of Ty Cobb and then like I sold it like a couple weeks later like looked like out of place so but but uh I wonder I wonder what your wife's gonna say when you come home with a life-size Ty Cobb postcard life <laughs> five foot ten <laughs> and he's like, when, are, when, are, when are you gonna sell that you <laughs> oh. like there's nowhere to put it so you have it like in the corner of the bedroom yeah. watching yeah. the photography on those on those are really cool it it kind of reminds yeah. me of like like an in-between of you know sports cards and type one photos right it's like you, uh, yeah people collect them both it's like you know, the postcards are sort of in between right it's like mm -hmm. really low pop counts beautiful photography pretty cool yeah i agree and and ben when you just held up the um was it the card from the cigar company uh, with against the T206? It's like, yeah, I mean, that image is, 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, and and the T two hundred six love that image, right? That's an incredible image, the portrait shot, you know. But I think when you hold it up against a live action shot, I mean, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like the T two hundred six is a big lighter, and and the cigar card is a flamethrower. Yeah, the yeah the T two hundred six I have like it's off center, but like kind of still one and one, and like the part of the names like cut off at the bottom but you can start to you can sort of see the part of his name at the at the top a little bit and it's like got a hey. got rare like back old old mill old mill cigarettes yep but i think the color is like pretty good like it's like a strong red so beautiful beautiful now uh so moving over to you travis when it comes to your um some of your big stuff right like who or what is it that you collect i so obviously the name jackie's and jordan's right i i really focus a lot on jackie robinson so i've got you know i've got a big jackie robinson collection um as well as michael jordan uh, i also collect lebron um but you know i but I, I focus mostly mostly on like hall of fame vintage rookies uh you know well-centered key cards so that's that's mostly where the allocation of my funds goes in terms of the allocation of my time most of my focus goes towards set building so i like i, I chase a lot of vintage sets and that's that's a lot of fun too but I, the, I'd be, the 61 I'd, Fleer basketball set that that you're building did you complete that is that a complete set it's complete yeah it's i, I have about like four cards that i'm still waiting for a centered copy to, to surface but um i have never seen such a centered set look at that thing yeah he's holding up a wilt chamberlain rookie 61 wilt the thing is perfectly centered i mean and and i think it was you that said it on i don't know if it was the pwc did you come on the pwcc live with me or no yeah yeah it would and i know you popped on like a week or two ago but i'm yeah. thinking way back and you had said something along the lines of you think that probably only 10 to 15 percent of vintage is like perfectly centered did you it was right around there that you said right oh it's definitely less than that less it's, than 10 to 15 percent oh, yeah. so it depends on which set you're talking about but yeah with with like some of the like 50 1950s top stuff it's less than five percent that are wow. truly centered i'm well, I said, defined centered right i mean if you're talking like 59 you're 51 49 or better both in both directions, yeah, you're less than five percent. But yeah, in some sets, it's like, like with sixty-one Fleer, it's less than two percent. It's you know, it's really tough. And and then there's certain car like with nineteen fifty-two tops. It depends on which series. Like the first two series, you can find center cards. The third series, really tough. Fourth series, fifth series, you can find center cards. But this kind, yeah, it depends. Real quick. Got to show this one because it's card number one eighty one, and this is episode one eighty one. So uh, oh he's got a thirty three Ruth. Yeah, card number one eighty one. Tribute to dude. The love that. Well, oh my god, I love that man. That's phenomenal. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, you know, we had mentioned you mentioned LeBron, and and that'll kind of go into um, I guess a card that I brought to share, and I know you have some cards that you want to share too, Travis. And uh, I haven't really talked much about this card since last year when I purchased it, and I think it was because it was just such a big buildup for me. Um, 
it kind of just led to this like like okay i'm going for it kind of thing and this is the uh the mm-hmm. 2003 lebron ultimate collection rookie auto i love um, that card so yeah man um so this is graded a bgs 8.5 with an auto grade of a 9 and they dinged me for the 9 because he lifted up slightly right at the beginning of the 2 you see right there on the 2 so that looks uh, like a 10 to me uh, i don't know these grade autos just let it be i agree man it's, it absolutely looks like a 10 to me but so um <clears throat> So, yeah, so last year on my podcast, um, I had said that um, probably about 18 months ago now, I had said, you know what, my goal this year is to acquire a 100K card. I want to go swing for the fences, acquire a 100K card. And I didn't tell anyone what that card was at first, you know. Um, And then as people just like kept asking, like, oh, what is it? What is it? What is it? along with the fact that i i didn't see a single one of these for sale so this is numbered out of 250 i knew this was the card i wanted right and um i didn't see a single one for sale there was one for sale on ebay that and i th- it might still be there they're asking 500k for it and wow. i think that was a psa 10 and then there was one that randomly popped up on instagram when i finally told people the card i was chasing um and that was they were asking like 250k for that and i think it was cash and i think that was a either a bgs 95 or a psa 9 so um they won like 200k cash so anyway so finally i was like you know what i'm gonna put it out there on the podcast on the show that this is the card i'm chasing you know and i would pull up the image of it and i would say this is what i'm looking for and i really didn't have many leads like none none were available there was that one on ebay and then that one on instagram that became available and i had probably about 100 different people and i'm not exaggerating probably 100 different people send me that instagram one so finally one sunday morning i wake up and i get a someone a listener who i've never spoken with before right it came through as like a message request and i i see that i had a message request i open it and this guy's like hey go get this card or like here's the card go get her or something like that and it was a screenshot from a facebook group of the seller selling this card selling this card and he said i forget what what, exactly what he was asking but um so of that card and so i immediately hit him up took him like eight hours to respond i was like freaking out because in his post he said would be open a partial trade so i was like this is my in. This is my in because I know I don't have that cash handy. And even if I move stuff around, I just don't find myself being able to make enough sales to have cash. So, so I hit him up and for about four days, we just went back and forth, went back and forth, went back and forth. Finally, I was able to sell a ton of cards not a ton i sold like five big cards and then i traded him two big cards um and made the deal finally happen after like four or five days of negotiating and he's someone that's uh pretty known in the hobby you know that seller um i talked about it on my podcast who he is but um so i was happy to be able to get it done it was the biggest deal i've made in my life and i still have not made a bigger deal so that's still my biggest deal to date um 
you know, the card is definitely going to be a long-term hold for me. And I know that term gets thrown around a lot and I even use that a lot. Um, but I just don't see myself. It, it's an investment for me. You know, it's, it's a straight up investment. So, you know, until this card hits a point where I'm like, you know what, it just does not make sense to not try to move it now until it reaches that point, I'm holding it no matter what. And it, it, it symbolizes a lot about, me for me it symbolizes a lot because i'm all about making plans law of attraction setting goals making taking the required steps to get there and i basically did that i was able to use my platform to do that and i didn't get a single dollar off of the price of this card because of my platform you know but i was able to make that connection though because without me putting it out there on the podcast without listeners feeling really invested in this journey. I don't know if that would have ever come across my radar, that card. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah, man. So, um, so Travis, I know you got some stuff with you. What do you got? You showed yeah. the satchel page. You, you showed the mantle. Yeah, I'll show. Oh, you showed the Jordan. I did so show you, the Jordan. You've been showing some bangers. Yeah. I, this was a fun pickup recently. Oof. A uh, 48 leaf Ted 48 Williams. Ted Williams and that card. Oh, let's see. Yeah, and these are these are probably the two, about... my two favorite recent pickups uh, that that I bought uh, since probably you know since last time I was on your podcast. So maybe I'll share these and talk about them. The uh, P7 Top Trussell. Yeah. So yeah, finding a centered copy of this card is nearly impossible. Oh and yeah. This is a you know dead centered copy, and there's no creases. It's a PSA three, just because of cornerware and incompetency over at PSA. That might be the most centered Russell rookie I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it's the most centered one I've seen, and it's yeah, it's and it's not trimmed. <laughs> it's full borders. It's uh, yeah, it's a beautiful card. I, it looks like a four to me, but uh, I was really happy when that one popped up. Um, and then this was another one. This is a. This is a really cool special card. So there, there are. This is the 1958 Menko Dayusha Jackie Robinson, and that's and hand cut. It's hand cut. Yeah, yeah, it, and it's an error card. So if you read the kanji here, it actually says um, Chico Bar Barbone or Chico Barboza. Chico Barbone. He was a. I think he was a Cuban player. He was the first black player in the Japanese uh, leagues, and. Yeah, so Jackie Robinson. So th there are only, I think there are only pop four or five PSA, and there's like a pop one SGC. So there's only a handful of these in existence. Um, and it's just, the image is really cool. It's got this like bright magenta. It looks like an Andy Warhol, you know, image. It's just, and it's like a, you know, it's like a tobacco card size. And it's just got the cool like Hank You Braves logo on the back. It's just a really cool card. Um, a lot of people don't know that Jackie Robinson's last game uh, in a Dodger uniform was actually in Japan. So after the World Series in 1956, the, the Dodgers lost, but then they they went and did like a tour. I think they went and played in Hawaii first, and then then they went and played in Japan in like an exhibition series. Uh, it was sort of like a you know like like an olive branch to like repair the repair the social tension that had occurred after World War II and you know, Pearl Harbor and, you know, Nagasaki, Hiroshima. So, you know, the, so yeah, so the Dodgers went there. He played in the Dodgers uniform. And then at, after that 20-game exhibition series, the another thing people don't know, 
the Dodgers actually traded Jackie Robinson uh, to the New York Giants. And then he said, no, nah, I'm done. I retire. So that's his last card in a Dodger uniform. It's kind of cool. Wow. I love it. I love it. So let me ask you guys, because we're already coming out on 50 minutes, 5-0. So before we wrap up, Ben, are there any cards that you are out there that you are chasing or that you've had your eye out for that you have not been able to come across yet? What's what's next on the bucket list for uh, Big Ben over there? Like for me, like I really would like to get like a Wolverine news, uh, Ty Cobb. Uh, it's a Ty Cobb rookie, so I'd rather, uh, like, at the national, I'll try to, like, make that a play for me. Uh, other cards on the list. That's a 1907, correct? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Uh, there's, like, there. there's uh, two versions of the card. There's, like, a batting one, and then there's, like, a portrait one. It doesn't matter. There's, uh, like... Like both of them are badass cards, so like just yeah, yeah. Whichever one I can get would be great. So what I'm gonna do real quick is I am just going to um I'm gonna pull up the images of those cards real quick now, so that people can see. So that is the 1907 for those of you watching on YouTube, uh, and those are both both versions of them 1907 wolverine news high cob here's one of him batting here's i guess what would be considered his portrait picture yeah that's that's wow. it so what what's 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 like the going rate for one of those like in sgc one say like is there even a going rate is there even a market or is it like you just literally have no idea what they'll accept and what they won't kind of thing. Cause there's nothing to base it off of. Like, uh, I think one like recently sold like in heritage, like a couple like weeks ago, but I was like chasing some other cards and like, uh, lost out on those. But I would say like probably be like in the 20 to 30 range. Okay. So, yeah, I'm looking up right now um, using the Card Ladder app. They've gotten a lot of free airplay on our show today. Um, it looks like uh, a Ty Cobb PSA 4 last sold on Heritage. Maybe there might have been another one after that, but sold in January in a 4. That went for 47K. Yeah, I would I would have to find like a, a, a lower a lower grade one maybe like a authentic or like a psa one sgc one just, just sell the wife's car it works <laughs> sell the <laughs> wife's car <laughs> it, it does work from home so <laughs> See? See? i love it i love it well listen ben good luck with that man travis how about you what's uh what's a grail card that you are really really chasing Two, two cards that are high on my list, the 49 Bowman uh, Satchel uh, satchel Page. I really want to pick up one of those. Uh, or 50 Bowman, 49 Bowman. No, 49. Uh, and then the uh, – and then the uh, He didn't have really a 50, want... right? What's that? He doesn't he have, didn't a have a 50. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, then, and then a uh, 61 Fleer centered Jerry West rookie. 
that's that's really tough to find. I've, I think I've only seen one. And wow, yeah, there's one on eBay right now that's fairly well centered, but the guy's crazy on it. He, wow, overgraded. Okay. Good stuff. Um, and and you know, I think af I don't know if I have a real quote unquote chase card at the moment. You know, I uh, I was I had a chase item that I did not get um last month and that kind of took the wind out of my sails a little bit um i think i underestimated uh what it was going to go for and um so i don't know if i have a chase item at the moment i really don't um i think i would have to wait on that um at the beginning of this year the number one card i was going after was a mike and rookie and it literally, I, I happened to just be on Instagram, I think at the right time going through story sales because it showed up in a story sale. It was just so, it was so random, you know, and um, and he took half trade, half cash for it and I made the deal on the spot, you know, so it was really, really good like that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if I have a chase card at the moment, but um, I'm sure by national, you know, something will happen. I know I, I literally just bought a speaking of high end and speaking of modern just bought the mahomes rookie auto this is for me this feels like because this is arguably his best just rookie auto right like not rpa but just rookie auto the national treasure uh vertical so to me it these have a lot of similarities I yeah. think that both of these cards, the LeBron and the Mahomes, are these are probably their best rookie autos right here, and they look very similar. Even the colors, everything about these two cards to me like look similar. So I bought it for that reason. I bought it for that reason, but I also bought it because I'm like, you know what? Who knows what the hype is going to be? Obviously, all the hype at um, National is going to be Trevor Lawrence, right? Everyone already knows that it's going to be like Trevor Lawrence when it comes to quarterbacks. But I am curious to know where the Mahomes hype is going to be because if there is some hype for him, which I had imagined there would be, I am planning on moving this into something super unique. And I do find myself Don't buy a Tom Brady with it, please. No, I, I won't buy a Tom Brady with it. Thank you. Uh, I'm not going to buy a Russell Wilson either, uh, Mr. Sleepless in Seattle. Um <laughs> I have a few. <laughs> I bet. I bet you do, man. I bet you. You know what though? I, I actually just last year I bought a rookie uh, rookie contenders auto, and I just love the look of it. You know, the green, like the lime green with the dark blue, like it just looked really cool. And there was like like a splatter effect that was like in the back. You know what I'm talking about? It was just. Yeah, looked, I, have a, I have a couple of those. Yeah, I liked it. It looked really cool, and uh, and I only had it for a few months, and then someone was like, I was doing a deal with someone, they're like, yeah, throw that in. But so one thing I am realizing though is is I've just kind of like what you were talking about earlier, Travis. I've always been I've always gone after iconic rookies. There's just something about iconic rookie cards, and I think it just brings me back to you know being a kid and um, you know looking through Beckett magazine. You know at the top of every every set list with prices, there'd usually be a card there like the the chase card for the set or something like that, and so it would always be the iconic rookie of, of the set typically. So I just always remember seeing these iconic rookies and to own them now are really cool. But I do find myself going after more rare and more scarce things because like we were talking about a little bit earlier, when it comes to these, like almost like going in that, in that lane that Ben is in, you know what I mean? Just like so low pop, it's ridiculous. You know, like 
it's a pop five, you know, kind of thing. And you're probably never going to find one because not only is it super rare, but it's even more scarce. Like there's just none available. Um, so there's something cool about that. Um, I do find myself kind of, you know, going for more, trying to be more unique, I guess, and, and be the only one in the room with that thing. You know, even if it's at national and that's saying something, if you have something in your case or in your Zion box or whatever it is you're carrying your cards around in, and you're the only one at national with that, it's safe to say super rare, super scarce. And I'd imagine both of you guys probably have at least a couple items that are like that. Yeah. And I don't mean the Russell Wilson rookie <laughs> contenders. <laughs> you might be the only one walking around the national. <laughs> you actually might be now that we think about it. Right? Although with Sean Payton coaching there next, who knows? They Maybe Russell will awaken from the dead. We'll see. Listen, I know Sean Payton is like hailed as like a genius coach, but listen, I, I, I think that without Breeze, he was nothing. I don't think he would have had that kind of success with a different quarterback. Whereas Belichick, I think that Belichick would have been more likely to have success with a different quarterback other than Brady. You know, I think – Belichick was more the genius in that relationship. And I can't say that I think Sean Payton was more the genius than Drew Brees, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I agree agree with that take. Yeah. But um, so our national, you guys going? What's the deal? I'm in the air. I, I've got some poker. I'm playing WSOP tournaments this summer. It'll depend on my schedule. I might go. I might not. I haven't decided yet. Oh. Uh, I'll be there flying up on Thursday and I'll fly back after the show on Saturday. Let's go. You know what? That's that's like my exact schedule too. Um I'm flying in super early. I think I'm I think I'm gonna be flying in O'Hara um at like seven AM on Thursday. So I'm gonna be there before we even before it even opens. Um and then late Saturday night. So I'm gonna have three full days there. So really looking forward to that man if i do go i won't be able to fly in until friday night so well listen friday night is the wolfpack trade night man so you know all right you're i you're still the guest of honor you're gonna be hoisted up in the air like uh like at like a bar mitzvah (laughs) (laughs) like on the chairs just getting passed around and you know (laughs) just enjoying the fruits of your labor um so guys listen thank you so much it's been great having you guys on talking about high-end cards ben if anyone wants to reach out to you if they want to see your um your plethora of of really super unique and rare vintage where can they find you on instagram at at ben jordan 88 beautiful travis you can uh if you if you don't find me on the poker tables in vegas you can find me on Instagram at Jackies and Jordans uh, underscores in between the words, but yeah, at Jackies and Jordans on Instagram. That's pretty much where I hang out for cards. Awesome. Ben, what are we doing wrong that we're not out there playing poker, high stakes poker games in the nosebleeds and sit here. We are just a bunch of couple working men. It's like, I don't have any money to lose. <laughs> <laughs> it's, all, it's all tied up in the wife's car and Ty Cobb car, um, postcards, right? <laughs> definitely uh all right good stuff guys thank you again so much for coming on it was a pleasure and don't forget guys take care of yourselves and your collection have a good one thank you